If you would open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. It is such an honor to be with you uh, here tonight. And uh, more than really sharing my story, my prayer all day long in the last couple of days is that uh, my heart for the Lord comes through, my heart for uh, our church family comes through. Uh, many, of you have, many of you have prayed for me, which means, uh, means the world to me. I love this church, and uh, this church is, is not the buildings, this church is you. Uh, and God has used this church in my life to get the gospel to my grandparents. Uh, this, the church has used, the, uh, God has used this church to get the gospel to my parents, to myself, to my wife, to her family, to my kids, and I will be forever grateful to the Lord for allowing me to just attend First Baptist Church. If that was the only thing I could do, it, it would have been a blessed time, but to be able to serve, uh, to serve with you, to serve the Lord, to serve with these men here on the platform and so many others, it is just, um, again, I'll be forever grateful. Uh, I would like to spend the first few, few uh, maybe even the half, uh, first half of the message Telling you a little bit about our story, uh, some of you have heard it. I don't want to bore you at all, but if you will, if you will listen, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to tell you the story. Then we're going to look at First, Key, First Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to tie the truth in and hopefully challenge you tonight. I was saved at the age of 12 years old, and my day of surrender was the age of 19. Uh, I graduated and went to uh, Akron, Ohio, was there for four and a half to five years, served with a great man of God, a good friend uh, who's now in heaven, uh, Rick Fox, who was also a, a, uh, a graduate of Hiles Anderson College. After being there for about four, four and a half, five years, God impressed upon my heart to, that he was calling me to pastor a church. And my wife and I were very happy there. We had had, at that time, two children in Ohio. And I went forward, and I just between myself and the Lord, I surrendered to pastor a church. We moved six months later to Georgetown, Kentucky, and uh, was there. That was the summer that uh, Brother Hiles had passed away. And um, we were there in Kentucky for about a month before we received a call from this church and asked us to consider to come back and be an assistant pastor. And uh, I came back here. Uh, this summer will be 20 years that we moved back here. I started working with my youth pastor, uh, Brother Lapina, when I first started uh, back here. And, uh, and then the Lord has allowed me to work in a lot, of different, uh, a lot of different ministries as an assistant pastor since then. I look back to my first week here on property, and I remember going to, I don't know, Brother Lapina probably, probably said go sweep the parking garage or something, I don't know, but I remember walking back from the parking garage and just looking, this building wasn't here, but just looking at the old auditorium and just really overwhelmed with emotion thinking and praying to the Lord. Just, just with the, the realization that, Lord, I just can't believe that you're giving me the opportunity to serve at the church I grew up on, where I grew up. And uh, I just thank the Lord. And for nearly 20 years, I have not lost that, that uh, gratefulness. 
and that uh, the bigness that the Lord has allowed me to serve in this ministry. On and off for the last 20 years, uh, because of that initial call to pastoring or something that I dealt with, I've really spent a lot of time over the last 20 years really wrestling with the Lord about, about the idea of pastoring a church. Not, not a lot of the time, but just at times I would, I would wrestle with that. Again, I have zero confidence in myself, but I always thought that God would allow me the opportunity to pastor a church. Maybe because people in my life that I love and, and that love me, I know my grandfather who now is in heaven, uh, my grandpa Bennett would often say to me, Mark, you need to pastor your own church. And of course, that was a compliment coming from someone that loves me, but that was in my heart, and I would deal with that and, and put that aside because my grandfather's not the Lord, uh, and, and God knows where I am and what I should be doing. But at 35 years old, that struggle became very real to me. I'm 47 now, soon to be 48, but at 35, I was miserable. And because I was miserable, that means my wife was miserable. And uh, I told the Lord at 35, I'm done with this struggle. It's ridiculous. You have me here. I love being here. I'm honored to be here. I don't know why I'm still struggling with this. I, I talked to Brother Lapina, and I started a 21-day fast and was praying for many things. And one of the things I was praying for is to know the what, the where, and the why of the will of God. After 21 days, I feel like the Lord answered that and told me uh, at the conclusion of that fast, Mark, you didn't call here. I called you, so you are where God wants you to be. The other thing is you didn't choose your duties. I gave you my duties, and so I gave you what uh, you, I wanted you to do. And so you just have to trust me and work hard and, uh, and, and focus on what I've given you to do. And then when it comes to the why, God said, that's, that's none of your business. You just, you're where, you're where I want you to be, and you're doing what I want you to do. And so I put that aside and, and, and just continue to serve happily. And uh, every few years, though, uh, I would struggle. And so what I would do is I would review that, and I would go through how God brought me here, and, and I would just give it back to the Lord. I remember not long after that fast, I was at, a, at the Sherville Fun Center, if you remember that. And I was there with my, my young children. They were playing. And uh, I told my wife, I said, we're going to go, uh, I'm going to go get you something to drink. And, and I, I, I was in a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt. And a, a man stopped me and he said, may I ask you a question? And I said, of course. And he said, are you a pastor? And I said, I am not a pastor, but I am an assistant pastor at the First Baptist Church of Hammond. He said, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Now, that was kind of an odd question. Uh, I wasn't expecting at the time. And I said, uh, yes, sir, I do. And he said, just trust me. He said, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that, uh, that he knows your, God knows you're struggling with something and that you're discouraged right now. But stay faithful to the Lord. God has something for you. And uh, I don't know how much weight you put in that, but it was something that I was praying about at the time. And I'm not a spooky kind of guy, but that is something that, uh, that the Lord used in my life. A lot of my friends would say, Mark, you're making this too mystical. If you want to pastor, go pastor. And I knew I'd worked closely with pastors long enough to know that I respect the position of pastor. And it's never something that I would pursue myself or put myself in that position.
About two years ago, I told the Lord that I'm just really letting go, and if you want me to pastor, then you're big enough to let me know, and I just trust you. Keep in mind, church family, if you're still awake, this struggle, this struggle was not a dissatisfaction with God. This struggle was not a dissatisfaction with, uh, with his will for my life. This, this struggle was not a dissatisfaction with our church or even for what I was doing. But I believe that, that through the years that God was continuing to challenge me to be what I'm supposed to be so that I can do what he wants me to do. The challenge, one of the challenges tonight is whatever, that, if, whatever you have your eyes on doing for the Lord, what's more important right now is that you are, that you are what you're supposed to be. Who you are should take priority over what, or over, over what you do. The Bible says in, in, Exodus, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 13, uh, you have the first missionary journey, journey where Barnabas and Saul were getting ready to go out. And it says in, and I believe in verse number two, it says, as they ministered unto the Lord, God called them. God wasn't, God wasn't looking for someone who was willing and available, not doing anything. God was looking for someone that was already engaged in ministry and doing something. At the beginning of the year, Pastor Wilkerson asked me to preach on a Wednesday night, and I agreed. And he said he was going to Florida with a couple men, and those men happened to be Brother Moffat and Brother Atkins. And I was going to preach on a Wednesday night. A few days passed, and he said, hey, Mark... Do you think you can go to Florida with us? And I said, when is it? And he said, Wednesday. And I said, you asked me to preach on Wednesday. He said, well, I'll get someone to preach. Why don't you go on the trip? And uh, I think he said something like, I'll get Brother Eddie to preach or so, something like that. And, uh, and so I, I agreed and, and we went on this trip. That Sunday night, uh, that Sunday morning in church, before our trip, I, I was not in the service. I was getting ready for guest reception, and pastor mentioned that we were stopping at a church that did not have a pastor, and he knew the assistant pastor from years ago in ministry. And so we went on this trip. Pastor Priest uh, did a wonderful job preaching in the conference in Sefner, uh, Florida, and during one of the breaks, pastor said, hey, do you men want to tag along, and, and as I go see a, a church and a friend? The three of us did that, and um, we were pretty much just a fly on the wall, listening to Pastor and his friend talk. We had a, a tour of the, of the facility, and, um, and we got in the car. And my comment to Pastor was, um, first of all, that man that you know, what a, what a great asset he will be to the next pastor. And then I said, that church is just primed to do something for the Lord. And I, I, there was nothing in my heart or my head that to, to think that the Lord would use me in that. But we came here. I told my wife about our trip. And um, that Sunday morning, I always early every Sunday morning, I go see the pastor. And I talk through the day with him, the different things that are on the schedule. We pray together. And that particular morning, pastor said, Mark, I, I want to ask you something. And he said, I have been praying about that church in Florida. And every time I pray about it, your, your name comes to my heart. And he said, do you think that is something that the Lord would, would have you to do? And my response was, I know I'm where God wants me to be. And I'm not looking and I'm not pursuing anything. But there's nothing I wouldn't do for the Lord if I knew it's what he wanted. If it was Africa, I would go to Africa. Uh, 
it would just have to be obvious. And I told them, and I, I got a little emotional then when I told them. I said it would have to be a situation just like where you came from. When you were in Long Beach, not looking, serving the Lord, being faithful, and it was just obvious that God moved you to Hammond, I said, that's the only way that, that I could ever make a move like that. I said, so I'm just going to leave it with you. I'm going to leave it the Lord, with the Lord, and that, that really is my answer. I went back, and I, uh, my wife was getting our Sunday school class ready, and I asked her to meet me in my office. I told her what Pastor had said, and we started praying a prayer that we have prayed uh, hundreds of times in the last 14 weeks, and that is, Lord, if this is what you want, open the door wide, and if it's not what you want, shut the door just as quickly as possible. We've done that, and we've prayed that, and about a week later, I received my first phone call from that church, and that started about a 12-week process of, uh, of a resume that they asked for, and a 13-page questionnaire, and a and again, I didn't say anything to anyone because, one, I didn't want the church family to think that I had one, out, one foot out the door, that I was pursuing something else. God had me here, but pastor said if the door opened, it's probably something you should, you, should, you should at least walk through. So we walked through it, looking and trusting the Lord and uh, praying and, and asking the Lord. And so finally, after about a week of that, I sat my family down and my children, and just to kind of bring them on board with what mom and dad are praying about. I told them about my phone call with Florida, and I said, uh, it's nothing you have to worry about. If this is God's will for our family, for me and mom, it's not going to be good for us and bad for you. It's going to, if it's God's will for, for, for mom and dad, it's going to be God's will for our family. We just need to trust the Lord and pray. When I gave that, when I said that and told them about, uh, I wasn't really expecting the response I got. Uh, no one said a word. And uh, I looked over at my daughter and the tears were there and I surprised me a little bit. I looked over at my wife and the tears were there. And I looked at my son and my oldest son and he was just staring, staring a hole through me. And uh, I looked at my son-in-law and I looked at my future daughter-in-law and they were just looking at me. And then I looked at my youngest son, Michael, and he looked like I just gave him two tickets to Disney World. He was, he was, he was smiling from ear to ear. And, um, but it's been a struggle. Uh, the timing of our daughter having her baby just really any day now, our first grandchild. Uh, Jacob, our son, getting married in October. We have a son in college. My wife has said to me many times, Mark, it just seems odd. It's, it's, uh, the, the kids should leave the parents. It shouldn't be the parents leaving the kids. Uh, a man on staff came to me during this time of prayer, and I'm just sharing this. This is just kind of my story. We're going to get to Scripture here, and you will get out, uh, you will get out tonight. And um, a man on staff came to me in the middle of just praying, and said, uh, hey, can I mention something to you? He said, I don't know really why I'm saying this, but he said, uh, I believe God has something bigger for you. He said, not to say what you're doing isn't counting or isn't big enough, but he said, I've just always thought that. My wife went to Myers and uh, was at the clearance aisle, and there was a man there, and she, she witnessed to him and gave him a track. And uh, he said, oh, it's funny, I'm a pastor. And she, she said, uh, well, my husband's the, the assistant pastor. This is about three weeks into the, the, the time of us praying. And he said to her, we haven't told anyone. And he said, 
has your, has your husband ever considered pastoring a church? So now she's having this discussion with the stranger and, and says, well, a matter of fact, he's talking to a church now. And a church from Florida reached out. And he said, ma'am, and she, my wife said his eyes just filled up with tears. And he said, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And she said, he waved his finger at her and said, you tell your husband to trust the Lord. My wife put a little buggy back, went to the car and fried some more. And uh, three weeks into the process, let me just skip here and so I can get to the end of the story. We went to candidate about four weeks ago. Again, it wasn't an easy process going there. It wasn't an easy candidating process. But my wife and I over and over while we were there, experienced the help of God like we've never had in our lives. Uh, the church voted and called us and asked us if we would accept. And uh, again, my wife and I, uh, my wife actually came to the, you know, at, at, the, at our conclusion of leaving there, said, Mark, I, I tr- as hard as this is, I believe if we don't go there, we'll be disobedient to the Lord. And so I told my wife, during that time, there's nothing that I would rather do in my life than to spend the last 25 years of ministry over my head, unable to touch the bottom of the pool, in total dependence of God each step of the way. And we believe that God has led us to this point in our, our life and our ministry. Acts 20:22 says, Paul said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. This is not us choosing another church over you. We believe it is God directing. Just a little bit about the church, Providence Baptist Church is located in Riverview, Florida, about 20 minutes southeast of Tampa. Uh, The church is 144 years old. The church is filled with people just like you. Many who have been there a lifetime, uh, graduated from the school, now now their grandkids are going to the school. Some have been there just a few short weeks. Uh, The Tampa area is just uh, exploding with growth. The assistant pastor there is a great man. I was talking to him today, and he reminded me when he took over, when the former pastor left in August during COVID, he prayed and he asked the Lord for, for something very special. He said, Lord, during this COVID time, I'm asking you to bring 75 new members to our church. And he said it was a big request, and I talked to him this morning, and he said so far since August, There's been 30 new members added to the church with eight to 10 ready to join. And then when I was there this week, three other families came and visited the church. To transition here to my message, there's a desire in each of of our lives for our lives to matter. All too often we look to things like careers and wealth and status and relationships and and accolades by others to give us a sense of purpose and uh, significance. We look at all the temporary things in this world rather than the permanent solutions that God offers us in his word. Again, nothing can fully satisfy the, the longing for significance in our lives other than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would quickly open your Bibles and look at 1 Samuel chapter number 16, and we're going going to look at Scripture. Follow along, please, as I read. It says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him 
from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided him a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. He sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come, and he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is, is before thee. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And if we could go here all the way down to verse 11, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here any, uh, are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come thither. And he sent and brought in. Now he was a ruddy man with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. So Samuel arose, uh, Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. We'll continue to read a few more uh, verses here. But just like my testimony, there are times when God puts things in our hearts, dreams and goals. And then he, he gives those to us right away. But other times, and really the majority of the time, when God puts things in our heart that we want to do and thanks for Him, many times He makes us wait. Often we can wonder what God is doing, and really we begin to ask, did I really hear from God? Has God ever put something in your heart, a desire to do something for Him? Or maybe teenagers, you're at youth conference, you're, you're at a college chapel, and you, you hear a great message, and you're challenged, and you come forward, and, and maybe you're, you're at the missions conference, and you think, maybe God would use me, or God impresses uh, your heart to, to do something for Him. Maybe you're emotional, and maybe you, you say, God, I'm willing. If you'll use me, God, I'll do it, and I'll surrender, and I, I will follow you, and I'll do anything you need to do. Then you go to your seat and you go home and you go to school the next day and you go on your bus route and really nothing happens. You're inspired. You thought, I know God spoke to me. I know God was, was prodding my heart, but it doesn't really seem like, like anything's happening. I have found that during those times of really waiting, where you really do have a, a calling from God or a, a desire, a God-given desire to do something for Him that He doesn't allow you to do right away. Many times it is God preparing us for, for what He has for us. During that waiting, He's teaching us things. He's growing our character. He's growing our faith. He grows our ability to do what He has called us to do. God takes us through this process. Really, the question is, will you trust the process? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find here that Sam, God came to Samuel and told him, don't mourn for Saul. I've rejected him. 
okay, from reigning over Israel. Go fill your horn with oil, and I'm going to send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided a king. Samuel was a prophet, but it didn't take a prophet to, to assume that anointing another king while Saul was on his throne might not go well. Samuel responded to God and told him that he would be killed if Saul found out. And so if you look at verse 2, if your Bibles are open, I'd like them to be. Verse 2, it says, And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And so we see that when Samuel arrived to Bethlehem to speak with Jesse and the elders in the town, they were afraid. Keep in mind, in those days, when a prophet appeared in those days, it meant that there was trouble. Samuel said, You know what? I come peaceably. I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. If you would look at verse number 11, it says, Samuel said, we just read it, where, he, where it says, we find here that the new king, look at verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from the day forward, so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. What's interesting to me, don't, we're getting into the heart of the message, so don't stick with me if you would. What's interesting to me that David was anointed king. We just read that. And what, did, what was the next thing that David did? Can you look down to, to verse number 19? It says, Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is what? Which is with the sheep. So he was anointed king, and then God said, okay, now go back and, and tend the sheep. The, the, the message tonight, the title of my message is anointed, but not yet appointed. He had the anointing on his life, but it wasn't time for his appointing. If you look in chapter 17, verse number 20, it says, and David, again, this is right when he's getting ready to God to use him to kill Goliath. It said, and David rose up early in the morning and what? Left the sheep. He left the sheep. It's very interesting to me that this is the anointed king. He had just experienced the, 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 the wonderful experience of God saying, I'm going to use you in a great way. Now, I would assume that Saul, if, if I was writing this story or if I, if I was using my sense, I would say that, okay, David's anointed king. Saul's going to be removed from the throne and David would be, would be ruling that day or the next day. Why would God anoint him and then send him back to where he had been before? Why not wait until David was ready to be king and then anoint him? I believe that God anointed David so long before he became king. Listen, because God knew that some things needed to happen in David's life before he could be king. Just like David, there are some things that need to happen in our lives before we can step into what God has for us. I'm reminded of a, a, a great story. I don't know if you've heard it before. A true, it's not a story, but an illustration of the Ch Chinese bamboo tree. If you plant a Chinese bamboo tree, it starts with a nut that goes in the ground. For six years, that nut has to be watered every day and fertilized every day for six years before it breaks through the ground. All that time for six years, what's happening is it is spreading its roots. And if, it, if, it, if at any time the watering of their fertilizing process stops, that tree dies in the ground. 
But in that sixth year, the Chinese bamboo tree finally breaks to the ground. And listen to this, it grows nearly 90 feet tall in just six weeks. The tree must take six long years, listen, of developing a strong, a deep, a wide root system so it doesn't topple over when it is grown. What's interesting in our lives, we tend to get frustrated when we don't get six-year results immediately. The truth is that the process that that plant goes through is very essential. And each and every one of us must grow that process to get the results. Church family, as I kind of wrap this up in the next maybe, maybe 10 minutes or less, I want, to, I want you to understand that you are in process. Not just you at First Baptist Church, but I believe this, I know this, every single one of you are in process. I know that because you're here. I know that because you're, you're breathing the air and God has you alive. What do I mean by in process? That means that God has something that he wants you to do. That means all these men are in process on the platform. That means I'm in process. That means that there is something in my future that God has for me to do for him and for eternity's sake and for his glory, but I don't know what it is yet. I don't know what it is yet. I'm in process. I'm in a, I am in a place that God wants me to understand. Mark, I have something for you. You don't know when, you don't know what, you don't know where. Young people, look at me. You don't know what God has for you. You don't know what God is going to ask you to do. What you've got to do right now is grow. What you've got to do right now is mature. What you've got to do right now is develop a relationship with the Lord. David knew that God was using the process to bring about God's promise for him to be king. David was anointed, but not yet appointed. One of the things that seems to hinder a lot of people is that, that, is that they mistake the anointing of God for the appointing of God. David had been anointed to be king, but not appointed yet. I'm almost done here. Please follow me, please. Sometimes you can have the anointing on your life to do something, but not the appointing. This is so interesting. Look at, if you would, at, at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 13. It says, then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him. What does it say? In the midst of his brethren. Think about it. David could see the anointing. Other people in his life could see the anointing. When Samuel poured that oil over his head and anointed him to be king, everyone was watching. You see, many times you can see your anointing. You go to work and, and you're successful. You move up the ladder, you get opportunities and people say, man, you're doing such a good job or you're gifted or boy, God's hand of blessing is on you. Maybe you're a gifted singer. Maybe, maybe people tend to follow you. Maybe your bus route is the largest. Maybe your Sunday school class is, 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 is growing very quickly and God is using you and you know it. 
Maybe you have a gift of counseling and, and you're able to sit down with a couple and help a marriage and you see them united and they leave and you say, God, I, I, you used me and I know it and they know it and they say, God, God, God used you to help me. Their anointing was, was obvious. Maybe you can lead and other people can see it. They tell you how talented you are and how gifted you are. And boy, you know what? God's going to use you. And many times this, is, this can cause you to think, well, boy, if I can see it and they can see it, why can't God see it? What's God waiting for? And listen, if we're not careful, it's a very dangerous position to be in. If you're not careful, we'll be fo so focused on what we want God to do in our life in the future that we can't see what God is doing in and around us. We can get so focused on our future dreams and miss out on a lot of our learning experiences and opportunities along the way. Preparation must come before the opportunity. David goes back to tend the sheep. And what happens? Look at verse 14 through 19, if you would. It says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. Boy, I wonder who can play the harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, uh, the Bethlehemite. He's cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, a man of war, prudent matters, and comely person, and the Lord's with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. It was while David was tending the sheep that he developed his ability to play the harp and to write the music. This time that he was anointed and God allowed, sent him back to tend sheep was that time in his life that he, God was preparing him and growing him for his day of for, for his day of appointing. Here's my conclusion. Listen carefully. Many of you may be in a season of waiting. You've been at this church for many years, and maybe when you were in a youth group and you, you had a desire to, you felt you had a calling on your life, or you thought things would be different, and you, you wanted to do something for God and with God, but that hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. Let me say, first of all, don't, don't let that discourage you. You're in a season of waiting. I had no idea this opportunity would come to, to our family from the Lord. And so as you're living your life, let me just say, learn all you can. Prepare yourself. You don't know where. You don't know the where. You don't know the what. You don't know the when. But during this time of process in your life is when you are to walk with the Lord, when you are to grow in your character, when you are to e equip yourself, when you're to mature. Some of you, you might be, it might be a spouse that God is preparing you for. Some of you, it might be a child, it might be a new job, it might be a grandchild, it, it might be a new ministry opportunity, it might be singing a special in church, it might be a new bus route or a Sunday school class. 
Just know that God is preparing you today for what he wants to do through you in the future. Don't miss this. So many people in the waiting process get discouraged. So many people in the waiting process get embittered. So many people think, I always thought that God would use me to, to, to start a Sunday school class or to start a bus route or to be used in the local church in some way. And I haven't got asked and, and I haven't had my opportunity yet. So ready for this? So what's the use? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to distance myself from the word of God. I'm going to allow sinful habits and, 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 and someone that once had a desire to do something for God and with God very quickly disqualifies themselves because God hasn't used you in, in, uh, in the timetable that you thought he would. God is teaching you to trust him. He's fine-tuning your gifts. Seek to know the heart of God. Seek to know the heart of of the pastor. I said, this to the, I said this to Providence Baptist Church, and I said this to our pastor, Brother Wilkerson. I said, eight years ago, if that church would have called me and said, would you consider pastoring this church, I would have gone through the same process, and if the Lord would have uh, allowed them to vote, I probably, probably would have accepted the pastorate eight years ago. But let me say that if I, would have, if I would have done that eight years ago, I would, have, I would have had no idea how to pastor that church in Riverview, Florida. In the last eight years, God has allowed me to work next to what I think is the greatest pastor that I've ever known. A man that loves God, a man that's humble, a man that has a, a desire to see, to see people saved, a man that, that, uh, that follows close after God. A man that has a desire to see the world reached with the gospel. A man that, that, uh, that has taught us a victory for one is a victory for all. A man that, 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 that unites people. Doesn't divide. For eight years, God has allowed me to sit under a man that, 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 that has taught me how to pastor. And has, given him, him, and has given our pastor a wife that has taught my wife how to be a pastor's wife. Let me say to you, ladies, let me say to you, wives, will you be ready when God comes and knocks on your husband's heart and says, hey, I want your husband to start this Sunday school class? Maybe he's been growing. Maybe he's ready. Maybe he's excited. But are you going to be ready to come alongside and support? Are you going to be ready? What are you doing right now? Are you growing spiritually? Are you spending time in the word of God? Are you, are, are you, are you working on your marriage? Are you praying? Are you raising your kids? Are you going to be ready when, when God knocks on the heart of your husband and says, I have something now, I'm ready. I'm ready to, you've been anointed, now it's time for your appointing. Our family is so far from perfect. I'm just very thankful that when God has said in the last 12 weeks, Mark, I want to put you in this position, that I have a wife that says, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been growing. The last several years I've been watching and I've been learning and, and, uh, and, and I've allowed ladies to influence my life and I have surrounded myself not with critics but with people that love God 
and have given me a good view of ministry and a good view of people, and, and I've been discipling people. Teenagers, are you preparing yourself for when God knocks on your heart? Are you disqualified? Are you, are you, are you listening to the music that you have and the, 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 the way you conduct yourselves with the, the, with the young lady or the young man that you're dating? Are you going to be ready? Teenagers, as you sit by mom and dad and God calls, God calls on, on their heart to call them to the mission field, what's your heart like? Do you have a heart to, to, to be submissive to mom and dad and to honor mom and dad? And do you have a heart for God? Would you hinder, would you hinder what God has for them? I'll conclude and say to the men, you might be in that time of waiting. You always thought God would use you. Maybe you would love to start a bus route. Maybe you would love to teach a Sunday school class. Maybe you just would love to do something for, something for the Lord. Make me a greeter. But no one's asked. You know that God wants you to do that. You know you've had your day of anointing. You know that God has equipped you to do something for him. And while you wait, and you're discouraged. And while you're discouraged, you allow things in your life and, and, and excuse yourself to, to have sin in your life. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you're going to disqualify yourself from what God has for you. I want to encourage you men to maybe take a look at your life and repent. And while you can, and before you've gone too far, get things right with God. It's time, I want to challenge the men to, to, I think it's time, men, to look at the qualifications of, what is it, what's a qualification of a pastor? What's the qualification of a deacon? What if God wanted to use you for that? Maybe, maybe not today, but what, what about five years from now? Did you know that you could look at those qualifications and have something to strive for and say, God, whether you ever use me in the position of deacon or not, I'm going to at least be qualified for it, and I'm going to lead my home, and I'm going to lead my family, and, and uh, I'm not going to just stay idle in this place of process, in this cycle of process. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm going to equip myself. I'm going to make myself available, and I'm going to, I'm going to be qualified so that God can say, here's a job I want you to do. And at least you can say, well, I haven't disqualified myself. And God, if you're asking me, I don't, I don't have any, any abilities and I don't have any, any confidence in myself, but I'm qualified and you're asking me, so, so I know you're going to help me. And I'd be glad to do that. I'd be glad to serve. I'd be glad to start a bus route. Just want to challenge you, church family, as you as you attend church and as you're a great church and as you, again, to sit through missions conference, young people and families and not just ask yourself the question, God, what do you want me to do? Sure, I'll give, but as pastor says it, not because pastor says it, but I'm convinced that there's families here that, that will be on the mission field and should be on the mission field. I'm convinced that a room with this many people in it, that there are families that, that need to start a bus route as a family. I'm convinced that there's things that you know that God has called you to do, 
but you're just in the process of waiting. Don't be discouraged by that. Equip yourself. Learn all you can. Mature. Use the altar. Build a relationship with the Word of God. Get help with your marriage. Get some things figured out in your home. Get your finances figured out. Get yourself ready so that when God says, I have something for you to do, you can say, God, I'm humbled by that. I don't think I can do it, but I'm ready. I won't let fear keep me from it. I trust you, and if you ask me, I'm happy to do it.